Hey, John Austinson here from Atlanta, Georgia. Excited to be with my friend, Timmy. Love the podcast. Looking forward to our conversation. You're listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer. My guest today, John Austinson, is the CEO of Franbridge Consulting and Capital. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Timmy. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you too. So John, just to give our listeners some context on you as quickly as you can hit us with uh, what it is that you do, how your business works, uh, when you started it and what's been your growth. Yeah, absolutely. So Frambridge Consulting is is the uh, company that I have the opportunity to lead. And uh, we own a few franchises ourselves, non-food franchises. We're in the property services space uh, with my partners. However, I've got great people running those businesses. So I'm able to spend most of my time uh, working with clients, helping them engage with uh, business ownership through what I call non-food franchising, helping them understand the industries and the sectors and educating them and uh, holding their hand through the process, ultimately engaging them with the right opportunities that meet their criteria and launching them into business ownership. So my background is was largely in the corporate world, and I really came across franchising five years ago on the franchisor side, and that opened up my eyes to, uh, to in just really developing a passion into what I do now. And so it's been about five years now. We've had great growth, um, you know, strong triple-digit growth every year uh, since inception. Yeah. And John, you're really the category king for non-food franchising. Um, uh, just really quickly, what is what do you mean when you say non-food franchising? Yeah. So, you know, when people use the F word franchising, they think fast food. You know, that is what I have found over and over. And that's what I used to think. And uh, the fact is there's a world out there of other industries outside of food that offer great offer great opportunities for people to enter into business ownership. And so I do have created kind of a category called uh, non-food franchising. I found that uh, that raises people's eyebrows um, to hey, there's more opportunities than just uh, food, which is not my background. And I'd say 95% of my clients have no interest in food. So, hey, let's focus yeah. on the uh, what 95% of people want. What is a commonly held belief about non-food franchising that you disagree with? I'd say, you know, everyone's got an uncle's friend who went into franchising and maybe they had a good experience or a bad experience. Maybe they picked the right opportunity to fit them or not. Um, so I think oftentimes they have to work through some baggage, but um, a lot of times people don't understand, you know, that you're building a business that's, um, you, you are on your own and yet you have the support of a franchisor. And so you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And um, a lot of times people do, don't even have it on their radar because they think food with franchising. Instead, they focus on what's that next tech startup, which is going to have a much lower likelihood of succeeding. So I think it's just unknowns in large parts. That's why a lot of what I do is getting out there, educating, helping them understand you know, how it actually works. Do you find that a lot of people who are going after, like when they think about the, their life as an entrepreneur, they're thinking they're going to start a tech company. Do you find that a lot of those people should be franchisors instead? Yeah, no, I think franchising isn't for everybody. There are some people that are frankly too entrepreneurial and I have to tell them that they don't want to stay within the, the boundaries. What does wanna... that person look like? Uh, they, they I think wanna... that might be one of those people. They want to put their thumbprints all over something and they want to be the brainchild. Um, but okay, maybe I'm not that person. The, the vast majority uh, of people out there really, they like the idea of something that de-risk the proposition because people think risk when they think of business ownership and it's like wait a minute 
if a system has already been put in place, you've got the support of a franchisor, you've got other franchisees that you can learn from, uh, you've got the playbook and the model, and you get a better exit value down the road if you're looking to sell your business than in a non-food, um, or sorry, a non-franchise uh, type model. What is there, you know, once, once they understand all that- What do you mean you get the, a better exit value? So the Ranker School of Business recently did a study uh, on 20,000 companies over the span of the past decade, and they looked at- uh, franchise businesses versus non-franchise businesses in comparable industries. And uh, they looked at their exit values. And what they found is that uh, franchise businesses trade at multiples of one and a half times non-franchised. So it's the same reason private equity sees value in franchising. They love that predictability. They love the safety net, if you will, um, that, that surrounds franchising. What do you think is all included in the... Um... Uh, non-franchise companies because it's probably a lot of like um, it, it, I mean it's probably like everything else so so it's definitely not just like franchise versus tech companies yeah no this was looking at common industry so you know you might say like in the property services space or home services or it could be an automotive or health and wellness looking at comparable type businesses so it's as apples to apples as possible in the comparison but um, no I think once people understand that hey the franchising model is a good fit uh, for, for most people. I'd say most entrepreneurs, you know, would gravitate towards franchising if only they knew more about it. What do you feel like is the um, the biggest hurdle for someone to get over when they want to fr do franchise instead of something else? Yeah, you know, a lot of people like to dream. They like to think of business ownership and uh, stepping out on their own and leaving what they would perceive as the corporate security blanket. I think that's the, the, the biggest challenge is, hey, do I want to put some of my own investment in, even if I use an SBA loan, even if I, you know, have some other form of financing, you know, they still see that as a risk and they're so afraid that they'll make the wrong choice. And what I find is, you know, just helping them understand that there are thousands of people that have done this before them, you know, and, you know, not every one of them succeeds. However, the risk, the downside risk is so much lower. And if things go completely, completely wrong, you can still sell that business typically for what you put into it. So um, helping people understand, I think fear is the biggest one. Um, you know, some people, everyone has a different level of risk tolerance. And so I think helping them understand that uh, we, we've de-risked it as much as possible. Now, ultimately, it's still on them. You know, what I tell people is, hey, the franchisor is going to provide you with great marketing. They're going to provide the playbook. They're going to give you that support, all the systems, sometimes national accounts or relationships, uh, you know, advantageous purchasing power in some cases. You know, there's a lot that goes into that. However, it still comes down to that individual owner in their market being able to hire and attract and retain good talent and making tough calls when needed. It's still a people business. And, you know, if you have aren't good with people and you don't like dealing with people, you know, you may not be cut out for it. What do you feel like is the biggest downside to being a franchise owner? And also, what do you think is the like the the first few steps that a person needs to take in order to start? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say from a downside standpoint, again, it, you know, living within the bounds, you know, if um, most good franchisors will allow their franchisees to test, let's say a new marketing vehicle or test, in, you know, in the case of food, a new menu item, or, you know, in the case of services business, maybe a new service add on. 
um, or maybe test price points. Most of them will allow that. Um, however, that's something you want to have a conversation with them on, you know, going in because, you know, your hands may be tied. You may not be able to do some of the things you want to do. But where I find that the most successful franchisees within any given system are, it's, it's those that are following the system, those that are following the playbook. I mean, by and large, the ones that aren't successful are the ones that have tried to do things on their own. So um, I think going in uh, and understanding that, no, right now there's 4,000 franchise brands in the US. So if someone were to start Googling, it's easy to become overwhelmed that, you know, where do I start? Um, you know, which ones are the good ones? Which ones are the best ones? What we've done is we vetted those down to roughly 300 franchise brands. These are ones that we have a relationship with, uh, our team, you know, believes in, you know, we, we've seen other candidates be successful within their systems. And so they're ones that we're proud to put in front of our clients. And what I do is uh, when I engage with the client, first off, it's entirely free, which is great because the franchisor pays me on the back ends. There's no cost at all. None of that gets passed on to my clients. Um, but what I do is I get to know them. I get to understand, you know, let's peel back the onion. What do you want your day-to-day to look like? You know, do you like large teams, small teams? Do you like a retail brick and mortar type business? Or do you like maybe one where you can work remote? Um, you know, industry-wise, do you like selling to consumers or to businesses? Um, you know, so we talk through all of those, obviously the financial side as well. Um, I have them fill out a questionnaire that gives me some additional inputs. And then ultimately I present them with, you know, typically five or six opportunities that are available in their area that I've seen resonate with other candidates with a similar profile. And we try to narrow those down to two or three to then engage with. And what engaging means is literally having a conversation with that franchise brand, hearing about it from their perspective. It can be an iterative process. We you know, bring brands in, we drop brands, but ultimately they go through a process with one brand that, uh, you know, that, that we've determined to be a good fit. And what I found to me, this is really interesting about 80% of my clients end up choosing a concept that was never on their radar to begin with, that they've never hmm. seen themselves in. But once we look at the business from a business owner standpoint and we peel back the onion, um, it, 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 and that's the part of my job that I love. You know, it's it, it's a lot of fun to open their eyes to opportunities that, uh, that were not previously uh, considered. That is very interesting. What is it you, what is the, um, like, what does it usually look like for you in, in turning somebody's perspective on this? Like, is that, is it hard for you to get people to change their perspective on this or does it happen naturally for them? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, everyone is different. So some people are, you know, have a fixed mindset, some have a growth mindset. Um, so I think once they understand, uh, you know, what exists out there and the ways that a lot of businesses are putting a new spin on a, on a niche, um, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, I, I've talked to several clients just this morning where we reviewed opportunities together and, you know, they came in with ideas of, well, I don't know, maybe I should buy a resale, you know, something where there's already some brand awareness in the market. But then after we walked through the opportunities, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, that would really do well here in Phoenix. That would do well in Toledo. <laughs> I mean, um, and so it's a lot of fun for me to, to, to go through that. And, and where I find validation in what I do is when I have those that are bought into a franchise system, they come back and buy additional locations or additional territories, or they come back and they make referrals on my behalf to to friends and family. Um, and you know, fortunately that happens way more often than not. And that's where I just love seeing people succeed and helping them kind of escape maybe that corporate world that, uh, you know, it's been a good run, but they don't want to do it forever. Yeah. 
John, uh, one of my favorite things to do with this podcast, there was not a podcast out there that was asking purpose-driven, successful entrepreneurs what it is that they're actually trying to do with their life. Yeah. When you think about the question of what it is that you're trying to do with your life, what do you want your life to be for? How do you want to be remembered when you die? That sort of thing. What jumps out to you is important. Yeah. You know, one of my driving, if not the driving motivators is stewardship. And, you know, there, there's a verse in the book of Matthew that says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, Amen. you know, to me, I'm always, you know, striving after that. And, and I fail every day, but I, I do try to move uh, towards that North Star of recognizing that it's not just about me and that, um, you know, I, I've been blessed to have three young kids and, uh, you know, we've been given a very good life and I love what I do. Um, and, uh, you know, just being involved with them involved in the community mentoring others um you know and then giving as well to the causes that we believe in um you know ultimately i want to be told you know well done you know at the end of my life that i you know i was faithful with what was entrusted to me so yeah. uh, stewardship is kind of that guiding light for me i love that verse to whom much is given much is required and the reality is for almost everybody in the western world uh, you fall under the category of someone to whom much has been given. So it's like, it's not just for successful entrepreneurs. It's literally like you are, you are, you, you almost can't be one of those people. If you live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Um, that's something I think about a lot. I've also been thinking a lot lately about the concepts of like wealth and entrepreneurship as it relates to being a Christian I went on this retreat called living a better story. And we were talking about like the, the biblical, like anything in the Bible that talked about entrepreneurship. And I was, I was dumbstruck. I was, my eyes were opened because I had always had this idea that Jesus was, you know, a poor broke man that, you know, chose the life of a, essentially like a wandering uh, rabbi um, and was pretty down on like wealth and prosperity and all that kind of stuff. And there certainly are things that he said that, that fit that description. But then I was shocked by verses like the one that you just mentioned, and also several others where he's talking about, you know, uh, give us like giving um, uh, financially to his different servants, and then them being uh, judged in the end on what did they do with it. And um so it's like Jesus had different ways of speaking to different types of people. If he was talking to somebody that got their riches through, you know, manipulation or whatever, he had one thing to say to them. But then there were other things that he had to say that are very much towards entrepreneurship or just the, the idea of taking what you've been given and growing it and expanding it so that you can yeah. do more with it. Absolutely. No, and I think part of it is the scarcity mentality that a lot of people have is, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I want to make as much money as I can. And, you know, I, I struggle with the, the motivation behind that, as most do. But uh, ultimately, yeah. you know, it's, it's to be able to bless others and, and, and help them. And, um, you know, that's not always my motivator, but I know it should be. So I'm always trying to come back to that, to that right thinking. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, with what I do, allowing people not just to, you know, do well financially, but to provide them with that freedom, that, that lifestyle that, I think so many people crave is to live life on their terms and to, to be able yes. to, um, you know, build their own empire and not someone else's. And um, for different people, you know, some will step out and embrace that. Some won't, they'll just always talk about it or dream about it. So trying to make that tangible. And 
Um, so I, I do feel like there's a stewardship opportunity there. I've been given opportunities, you know, to, to educate people on that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, very, faith is very important to us. And as far as our guiding light as well. And, um, um, yeah, I, I struggle every day, but I keep coming back and doing my best. Yeah. Even, even the thing about that you said about freedom, I feel like that verse applies to, because let's say that you've been successful financially to the point where you have a lot of freedom of your time. Well, now you're somebody to whom much has been given as it relates to time. So what are you doing with that time? And I mean, that is a very convicting verse. Cause like, my temptation is to spend all that time on video games and Netflix. And I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with video games and Netflix. <laughs> but the reality is uh, when I have a lot of freedom of time, I am somebody that as it relates to that much has been given. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's powerful to think about. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing with all of that time? And I, I want to be somebody like passion. My passion is I want to be somebody that has, had through the books that I've made myself or helped others make a huge impact on kids. I, I want I want books that I've made or that my customers have made that I believe in to to just be in all the home libraries and all the bedrooms you know across America. Um, and the reason for that is because I want kids reading those books and thinking about things like leadership and entrepreneurship and how to manage their money and all of the different amazing concepts that I just happen to be making with people. Yeah, um, no, and you do a great job of entwining values within those. And I was reading a book to my, we have three young kids. I was reading a book to one or two of them the other night and, you know, innocent enough title and, you know, most of the content was innocent, but they were trying to entwine some you know, uh, thread in some themes of, you know, what's going on in society today that may, we may not necessarily agree with. And, um, you know, there, there's another agenda out there that's being pushed in a lot of these schools. And, um, you know, we won't get into all the details here, but um, no, I think there need to be more values-based, traditional-based, uh, faith-based type values being shared um, yeah. you know, in these ch children's books, along with, you know, the business content. So I love what you're doing. And sadly, the reality is most of those kids' books absolutely suck like the ones with great values those kids books stuck. i love dave <laughs> ramsey but have you ever tried to read his kids books they're just walls of text i have not but no now that's not much of a teaser i i or endorsement i'll uh, i'll stay away i feel bad <laughs> I, like honestly i honestly feel bad for saying it i should actually comb them for the nuggets of good that i can say about yeah. them um but my initial impression opening them was like Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Like, like that it needs to be entertaining to a kid or you could have all the values in the world. You're not incepting them into anybody's mind. If the kid doesn't actually want to read that, doesn't crave reading that book. Anyways, Absolutely. anyways, that's, that's all about me, John. Uh, what is something, uh, just my last for fun question for you. Uh, what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? Wow, that is a great question. What do I currently suck at? Thank you, and we're, be, we're, be we're, ready because whatever it is that you tell me, that's going to be like how I stay in touch with you. <laughs> I'd say, um, I'd say, you know, in the area of time, I, I think I probably beat myself up a little too much, and I'm probably better at time management than than I think. But even though I st I try so hard at 
you know, time blocking on the calendar and, and all the little hacks out there around it and waking up early, there's still not enough time in the day. And so I'm still trying to conquer that. And uh, I just, you know, I think about my kids, I don't, I don't want to go past, you know, at the end of the life. I mean, we, I've got a 10 year old, five year old and three year old. And the fact is, you know, when you break it down into the number of summers you have left, the number of weekends you have left, and you think you have forever, but the time goes by fast and the time that they actually want to hang out with you over their friends is even more limited. And so I think, you know, just continuing to keep that front and center is a reminder that hey, time is short with the kids. And, and that's probably one of the best investments I can make. Um, I just prioritizing them over, uh, you know, taking additional client calls is probably something that I need to need to not suck at. Yeah, I can relate to that. I, I will so often get into an argument with my wife because she's trying to get like a nugget of time for me in the middle of the day, but I'm between calls that happened right before this call, honestly, <laughs> like right before this call, I was trying to prepare for this call and we got into a, we got into something cause I responded rudely to her as she was trying to ask me a simple question. I'm sure she um, was right though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, because you're a fellow Christian, um, uh, what do you think that God is trying to tell you about time, about time management? Like, have you, have you taken the time to just ask God what it is that he thinks about this? Yeah, I, I have. And I, I think the answer is, you know, that, uh, you know, trust him with the time, same thing, you know, trust him mm. with the finances, trust him with, um, tr you know, trust him with everything. But, uh, you know, I think turning over the calendar and, um, you know, I, I think it's that self-dependency where, you know, if I could have, you know, 10 client calls in a day versus nine, you know, it's hard for me to turn down the 10th, you know, if it's, it's, it's a great client of mine. Um, but maybe saying no, pushing that out and limiting it to nine, let's say, and trusting that the results, you know, and the outcomes will still be there. Um, so I think that the other thing is how much is enough? I had a good friend at lunch recently asked me, a friend that knows me well, how much is enough? I mean, we've, we've done had a good run. It's been, um, we've been very blessed. And, you know, at what point do you say, Hey, I need to need to, you know, free up the calendar a little bit, free up, uh, you know, to recognize that, you know, Hey, let's, let's just live in the season that we're in and not always be striving for that next season. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, good. Uh, John, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. How would you like listeners to connect with you? Yeah, we would love to connect with anyone uh, listening and we can talk about any array of topics. Certainly business ownership is uh, one that I'm passionate about. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Also connect with me via our website, franbridgeconsulting.com. I'm sure they'll be in the show notes and uh, would love to sync up, jump on a quick call, uh, make that introduction. So uh, feel free to reach out and I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. Great. Enjoyed it, Timmy. 